0: I'm Roy Kniper with Kniper Ranch in Sisterdale, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello, Texas. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, this drought this year has put a big hurt on Texas agriculture everywhere. But it goes farther than just the farm gate. It affects entire communities, from agribusinesses all the way down to mom-and-pop stores. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: Owning land without having access to it. Believe it or not, that's a common problem. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
4: There have been fewer hay cuttings in northeast Texas this year due to the drought, but producers hope the harvested tonnage will get them through the winter months. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on Texas Ag Today.
5: As the Environmental Protection Agency pushes forward on its new Waters of the U.S. rule, the Supreme Court is expected to make a decision that will have significant impacts. I'm Chad Smith, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Drought devastated farms all over Texas this year, but the damage goes well beyond the fields and pastures. Cotton infrastructure in the Texas Southern Plains is suffering with the loss of three-quarters of the cotton crop there.
6: It is going to have a huge impact on infrastructure, be it the ginning sector, or warehouse sector, and, and the marketing sector and beyond. And we're very concerned about that because we're very dependent upon the cotton infrastructure as a whole and the cotton industry as a whole in this area. I mean, it's just been a very, very devastating year overall. But folks are resilient. We're looking forward to a new 2023 year. Hopefully, we'll be able to bounce back and have a good year going forward. But it has been a very struggle and a very challenging year overall.
2: That's Cody Besson, CEO of Plains Cotton Growers in Lubbock. He says there's hope that the cotton infrastructure in the area can weather one bad year and survive.
6: I think infrastructure is really taking a hard look right now of how to either partner together in, in more of a survival-based mode so that way when we get into a better year moving forward that they can continue to operate in a seamless manner. And if we continue to have these types of years, it is certainly going to have a very long-term and staggering effect where we very well could lose some infrastructure. We're mindful of that. We're very concerned about that. But fortunately right now, a lot of it is still too be determined. So hopefully we'll be in the, the latter part of things and have a, an optimistic outlook moving forward. But it has really put a strain on, on the overall infrastructure and the economy as a whole.
2: And Besson says it's not just the cotton infrastructure that will feel the pinch. The entire economy of that part of Texas is going to suffer because of the huge loss that farmers are facing this year. Further up north into the panhandle, cotton harvest is just getting underway. Gerald Key runs the nation's largest cotton gin, Adobe Wall's gin in Spearman.
0: We gin just a handful of bales, one dry land field. We've got an irrigated field being stripped right now, but probably we're 10 days-ish to be in fairly busy.
2: Key says there were a few dry land acres that made it through this year in his area thanks to some lucky rains.
0: The rain was funny. It just seemed like if it rained in one spot then it rained there again a time or two. But so many spots didn't get any period. There's not much dry land out there, but there is some.
2: And on those irrigated cotton acres that did make it through this season, only time will tell how good they are.
0: Some of it looks really good, and some of it looks okay. And the difference between okay and really good can be up to a bale. So we just got to kind of wait and get into it a little bit before we can really make a call on that. I've had guys think they've got three-bale cotton, and it's four. And I've had them think they had three-and-a-half-bale cotton, and it's two-and-a-half. So the quality is a big factor in that. The more mature it is, the more cotton is going to be there. The more immature it is, the more cotton they're going to lose in the ginning process, and the less is going to be there. But I think we ought to have maturity. Goodness knows we've had the heat
2: and the time gerald key with adobe walls jen in spearman many texas landowners have issues accessing their own property james hunt tells us it's more common than you might think
3: it's something that almost sounds too bad to be true Owning land without having legal access to it. Tiffany Lashmitt, the ag law specialist for Texas A&M AgriLife, tells me it's a common problem.
7: I'll get phone calls and somebody says, well, my property is landlocked. A lot of times the question is they can't do that in Texas. Can they? Um, The answer is yes. If the scenario is right, there is no automatic access. I'll get calls a lot of times, too, about, you know, we've crossed this person's property forever. Now there's a new owner. How do we keep accessing our property? And so I think it's really important for folks to realize if you're in a scenario where you are crossing someone else's property or someone else is crossing your property for access, that's something that really needs to be reduced to writing. There needs to be an easement, and you need to file that in the deed records at the courthouse. From a legal perspective, that's really the only way to protect that access and make sure that that easement is spelled out with the details that you want and is going to be effective, you know, if there are new owners or generations from now when your grandkids are are battling over an easement.
3: Once again, that was Tiffany Lashmut who discusses a wide variety of legal issues with ag producers in conversations, blogs, podcasts, and also in various AgriLife programs like the one coming up next week in Silverton. Lashmitt will talk about estate planning for farmers, ranchers, and other rural landowners. Agriculture business succession planning will also be covered. Once again, that program is October 19th at 10.30 a.m. at the Silverton Library. Lunch will be provided. An AgriLife news release offering more information and a way to pre-register can be found by searching online with the words AgriLife Silverton Estate Planning Program. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The drought has taken a huge toll on hay production here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti visits with a Northeast Texas hay producer to see just how much the drought has
4: affected him. My guest from Northeast Texas is Scott Clower. He is a hay and beef cattle producer who raises his livestock and hay in Greg and Rusk counties. And Scott, hay cuttings have been fewer this year. Uh, How many have you already cut and what's the quality of that hay?
8: We have averaged on our fields that we cut only two cuttings this year. The first cutting was about a third of our normal cutting. And the August rains here in our part of the state really took our hay off in August. And it seems everyone here has gotten one really good cutting above average of what this normal time of the year is for. So which has kind of saved most producers here in our part of the state.
4: And what of the quality of that hay?
8: It's been really good. Mine's good. I know some people had not fertilized. I, I was able to fertilize. So I've got some really good hay. But uh, I think everyone was looking for more tonnage than quality. So I would say it's just a tonnage factor for everyone here. Not so much quality.
4: Now, normally you cut more than two fields of hay each year. Uh, what What's your normal? You're You're behind, though.
8: We're at least behind one most people are behind one some of my irrigation fields i'm behind two or three on just you know it depends on our years but uh everyone's at least behind one cutting here
4: that is northeast hay and cattle producer scott clower joining us today from the greg rusk counties area east of tyler scott will be back on our next program to talk more about the east texas hay situation I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. As the Environmental Protection
2: Agency pushes forward on its new Waters of the U.S. rule, the Supreme Court is expected to make a decision that will have significant impacts. Chad Smith has the story from Washington.
5: With oral arguments now complete in the Sackett versus EPA case before the Supreme Court, questions still remain related to whether or not the federal government has jurisdiction over certain parcels of land. Courtney Briggs is the Senior Director of Government Affairs for the American Farm Bureau Federation. She says the confusion goes back to a previous Supreme Court case that created two tests of jurisdiction.
9: One, the relatively permanent test, and the second is the significant. Number. Nexus test and the regulated community, including farmers and ranchers, find the use of this significant nexus test to be troubling because it is wildly vague and is used to expand the federal government's reach over private property. So the question before the high court is: Can you use the significant nexus test, and is that the appropriate test to assert jurisdiction? Like the Sackets, our nation's farmers and ranchers would argue that it is not the appropriate test, and we hope that justices will create a limiting principle that will provide clear guardrails on. how how far the federal government could reach.
5: Briggs says there was a lot of debate during recent oral arguments about what Congress meant by adjacent in the Clean Water Act. She talks about the highlights of those oral arguments.
9: This- term has been debated since the statute's inception. But I think one of the most notable takeaways is the fact that a number of justices from various sides of the political spectrum recognize the shortcomings of the significant nexus test. And they really discuss the confusion for landowners in using that test.
5: She says the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers still have their proposed WOTUS rule that hinges on significant nexus under consideration. Briggs talks about where the discussion goes from from here.
9: That rule is currently being reviewed by the Office of Management and Budget and will likely be finalized by the end of this calendar year. But we remain confused as to why the agencies are insisting on moving forward with this rule. It makes more sense for them to wait until the second decision is handed down. And the introduction of this new rule is only going to add confusion to an already very confusing situation.
5: From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today.
10: Time is running out to enter to win one of this year's big-time Texas hunts. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And back pain in horses is a very difficult thing to diagnose. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
4: In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now... We're even more thankful for the
3: roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at
1: tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Back pain in horses
2: is a very difficult thing to diagnose. Dr. Bob Judd tells why.
11: The problem with back pain is it can be primary from the back itself or secondary to a problem in another area. Just like people who develop back pain because they are walking abnormally due to an injury in the lower leg, horses that travel abnormally due to a leg injury can injure their backs. Some horses have poor conformation for the discipline in which they are being used, which can lead to stress on the back and back pain. Dr. Grace Buchanan from North Carolina indicates in the Horse Magazine that improper shoeing can create trigger points or muscle spasms that can lead to back discomfort. Long toes, low heels, underrun heels, and club feet are very common and commonly lead to back pain. Another cause of back pain is the rider's position and posture on the horse, as this can cause abnormal pressure on the back. If the back pain is at the withers, saddle fit could be involved and getting a professional saddle fitter may be worth the money. Although back pain can be due to a back injury, it is commonly caused by an abnormality somewhere else on the body and the back pain is secondary to abnormal conformation. Back pain can also be due to arthritis in the back, are from kissing spines, which is a condition in which the vertebral spines are touching and can cause pain. If back pain is noted, a complete physical exam is required since the underlying problem may be at a different location than the back. X-rays may be needed to examine the vertebrae and the dorsal spines and even acupuncture can be used to check for trigger points. The veterinarian will examine the horse with and without a rider at various speeds and even a bone scan may be necessary to diagnose the cause of back pain. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Time is running out to enter to win one of this year's big-time Texas hunts. Jessica Domo tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report.
10: Time is running out for Texas hunters to enter to win a once-in-a-lifetime hunting opportunity on some of Texas' finest ranches or wildlife management areas. The deadline to enter to win a big-time Texas hunt through the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is Saturday, October 15th. This year's offerings include the Texas Grand Slam, which offers a chance to hunt desert bighorn sheep, white-tailed deer, pronghorn, and desert mule deer in West Texas. The Ultimate Mule Deer Hunt is an exclusive three- to five-day hunt in the Panhandle for mature mule deer. There's also a premium buck hunt in rugged South Texas, Texas, a Neil Guy Antelope Safari in South Texas, and a Whitetail Bonanza. The Bonanza offers five winners three- to five-day hunts on ranches and wildlife management areas. The Powderhorn Cast and Blast is a hunting and fishing extravaganza that offers the winner and a guest the opportunity to hunt for whitetail deer, exotics, and waterfowl on the 15,000-plus-acre Powderhorn Wildlife Management Area in Matagorda Bay. The trip also includes a guided fishing trip in the bay. There is also an exotic safari, gator hunt, big-time bird hunt, and a wild hog adventure. All hunts include a guide service, food and lodging, and on-site transportation. Entries for big-time Texas hunts are $9 each. Proceeds from the entries supports wildlife conservation, habitat management, and public hunting. You can enter on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Simply search Big Time Texas Hunts. Again, the deadline to enter is Saturday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domewell.
2: The cattle market closed mostly lower on Thursday while grain prices moved higher. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Carrie Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474. 833-897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, give them a call, 833-897-2474. Or if you can't write it down, go to farmlifehelp.com. Dot com do me a favor don't wait call them today
1: we're giving you the market information you need on texas ag today
2: another day of lower cattle markets and higher grain markets taking a look at thursday's trade we finished lower across the board on cattle futures with the exception of the nearby october live cattle contract it was up 27 cents 146.45, everything else lower. December live cattle down 52 at 147.92. February down 42 at 151.70. October feeder cattle down 75 cents, 174.75. November feeders down 57, 176.10. While January was down 60 cents, 176.30. Cash fed cattle trade started to pick up a bit on Thursday. We saw sales here in Texas at one hundred forty five. That's a buck higher compared to last week's trade. However, a lot of feedlots holding out, asking for higher money at one hundred forty six and better. Boxed beef prices mixed Thursday, choice down forty two cents at two hundred forty six twenty four. Select up fifty six at two hundred fourteen eighty two. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
12: Benny Cox sells sheep and goats in San Angelo on Tuesday. Benny, how was it? We had $4,115. we have been selling close to 3000 more than that, so that kind of that helps um, compared to the week before. We'll have sold near steady with what we saw. Those few, uh, the slaughtered lambs, they sold near steady. Slaughter ewes, now that were tough. I guess they're they're like we talked yesterday. They're getting some old things from up north, and that's kind of pressured the market some. They were ten to fifteen dollars lower again. They were big lower last week. Uh, kid get, goat they sold kind of five to ten lower. Uh, slaughter nannies a dollar to a dollar fifty one. Mostly one thirty three to one thirty eight. That was lower last week. And the slaughter billies, uh one seventy to two thirty. The few wool lambs that we did sell, we sold some old big things at one ten, some light weights up to one eighty nine. I saw one group that brought two something, but they were real light, real neat. Like, I don't think. There, there was, you know, the, the the hair sheep type, the light end of those 180 to 295. Uh, the 295, that was legitimately some real neat little pumpkins, uh, real good flesh. I think they weighed around 50, but definitely would have gone to kill. The heavier weights, 110 to 231 and after you get up over that old 210 or so, I imagine that 231 would have been U-Lab. Slaughter use 50 to 76, mostly 58 to 63. Kid goats in a range from 170 to 340, mostly 281 to 292 on the neater kind, and some of those light feeders, we had a handful up to as high as three 75. They're hoping they're going to bring a pair over that $4 mark. Maybe they will first. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cox. All they call me on my mobile is 325-234-4277. The office, say area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, producers, and gargoyle.com. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas
2: Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished mixed in Thursday's trade. October hogs were up 32 cents, 93.42, while December hogs were down 10 cents, 80.60. Class three milk was slightly lower. October milk down 3 cents, 21.82, while the November contract was down 11 at 21.15, 100 weight. A new inflation report came out Thursday morning. It put big pressure on the cotton market early in the session. In fact, we saw big triple-digit losses. However, as the day went on, we recovered and closed narrowly mixed, with December cotton down only 13 points, 84.79. March cotton unchanged, 83.79. December 23, cotton was up 2 points at 76.21. That inflation report pushed grain prices down sharply early in the session. But same as cotton, we recovered and actually closed higher in both corn and wheat. December corn up four and three quarters, six ninety seven and three quarters. March corn up a nickel at seven oh five a bushel. The wheat trade continues to be nervous about the situation in Russia and Ukraine. Questions over whether Russian President Putin will continue to allow grain shipments out of Ukraine. That's helping to boost prices with December Kansas City wheat up twelve and a quarter, nine eighty-two and a quarter, December Chicago wheat up 10 cents, 892 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November Natural Gas was up 26 cents at 670. November crude oil up $1.91 at $89.18 a barrel. The financial markets higher Thursday afternoon, the Dow up 808 points at $30,019. The NASDAQ up 215, 10,628. The S&P up 86 at 3,663. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.
1: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.